Well, good morning. My name is Jenny. I'm glad to be here this morning. I'm so pumped, man. I love this church so much. Um, I love the staff here. They're all dear friends of mine. Uh, I love this mission. It's embedded deep in my heart and bones eternally. Uh, I love the family feel every time I walk in here. I don't know if you guys experience that, but every time I walk through the doors here, it always feels like a family reunion, which I just love that. And I really love the invitation that Jeremiah extended that I get to come and share some Jesus-flavored ideas with you guys this morning. Um, So thanks for showing up. I know that this morning when I think about all the other things you could be doing on a beautiful Sunday morning like this, it's not like you were like, hmm, I think I'm bored, so I'm going to choose church. That's not what happened. You had lots of other things going on, yet you wanted to set this time apart uh, for the Lord, and you're here. And so thanks for showing up. Uh, in case we haven't met and you wanted to know a couple little things about me, um, my husband Jason and I will celebrate 19 years of marriage this summer. In a couple weeks, um, we'll celebrate that. I'm a mom to three. I used to be a mom to two. Recently, I became a mom to three. Um, it's not what you think. I have a 19-year-old son, Blake, a 16-year-old, Jolie, and then the one that loves me most right now is a four-month-old golden doodle named Eddie. Um, there's just something. I didn't give birth to him, but man, that is my, one of my kids. Uh, I served on staff here, actually, at Westbridge for about seven years as a youth pastor. It was one of the most like, challenging, amazing, joyful, formative seasons of my whole life. Uh, June of 2019, I decided to shift from Westbridge and actually stepped into a position uh, at Minnesota Adult and Teen Challenge as a chaplain down in Minneapolis, working with men and women who were pursuing freedom from the bondage of addiction. Super powerful work, super tragic work, but just really, really important work that Teen Challenge is doing, and so it was an honor to be able to do that. I'm abundantly grateful. I'm abundant, that last song, man. I'm abundantly grateful for the life I get to live. And I'm so honored to be here with you guys this morning. I just love to pray. And then I have a whole bunch to share. Um, And so, God, just thank you. Thank you, God. Thank you for the gift of this beautiful Sunday morning and the gift of being together with the goal of knowing you more. God, more of you this morning and less of me. In Jesus' name. So when Jeremiah asked me months ago um, to speak... I asked him months ago, is there anything specific? Is there going to be a series, something you want me to talk about? And he said, whatever you're most passionate about and whatever God is teaching you in this season. Um, So here we are. You're just about to get like, I don't know. I've been on a journey the last few months. So I'm going to do my best to like make this concise, but I've been learning a lot. And I get very excited and passionate about things. So thanks for showing up for my TED Talk. Just kidding. Um, Okay. So this morning, I had to kind of set myself up for this conversation with three goals. I kind of set three goals in mind for our time together. The first one was to equip us with simple and practical, yet highly effective method for gaining wisdom. I think um, wisdom is something that we're lacking in our society today. We're all lacking this in some way. And so I wanted to give us a simple and effective ability and and, and process, practical way to, to pursue wisdom. The second goal for, that I set for us this morning is to help us learn and practice our faith. Faith isn't something that we just get or have. It's something that's practiced and developed over the course of our entire lives. And my third goal for us this morning is to reduce anxiety. Anybody need some reduced anxiety in your life? And to increase peace and joy in our life. I think so often anxiety gets the driver's seat in our life, and how cool would it be if we could apply a couple of things from, God's, from the scripture, from God's word, and experience more peace and more joy? Who doesn't want that? 
Also, I want you to know that whether you're a lifelong follower of Jesus, which some of you are, or you're still exploring all of this faith stuff, maybe for the first time you're showing up to church today, and if that's you, shout out to you. It takes a lot of courage. Or somewhere in between, this message is intentionally for you. I had you in mind when I was writing this. This is one of those ideas from scripture that I like to call an all-skate. Where are my 90s roller rink kids? Anybody? Yeah. When the DJ at the roller rink calls out, like, all skate, that means, like, whatever else you're doing, you stop doing it, and you get out on the roller rink, and you skate, okay? This means that, like, everybody in this room, if we were to draw a circle around who this is for, this message is for, like, everybody is included in the circle. It's for all of us. So we're going to kick this off. We're just going to jump right into scripture. We're going to kick this off with a side dish for a second. If you're new to this whole, like, idea of faith and You've been thinking about maybe considering checking out the Bible. James is a really, really awesome place to start. Um, It's only five chapters, which is really cool. And it's also packed with like tons of practical and like powerful wisdom to apply to your life. So if you've never read James, highly recommend. We're going to start in James 1 verses 5 to 7. And I think they're going to put these verses up on the screen for me. Wow, look at that. So it says this, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver, for a person with divided loyalty is unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything they do. I wanted to add a second translation of this verse this morning. It's from the message translation. Again, that's a really cool Bible translation. If you're new to reading the Bible, it's in very modern language. I really enjoy how the message is paraphrased. Also, side note about the message. Some people, longtime Christians, are like offended by the message. Like, um, it's too like worldly or something. I don't know. But what I, I want to say is I read a book by the guy that did the message translation, Eugene Peterson, and his book was so difficult for me to read, I felt like I needed the message translation of his book. Like, super intelligent theologian, don't downplay the message, it's solid stuff. That's just a free um, commercial for the message. Um, Okay, the message. Do you guys have that verse that you can put up? Okay, I'm going to read it. Everybody follow along. If you don't know what you're doing, pray to the Father. He loves to help. You'll get his help and you won't be condescended. You won't be condescended when you ask for it. Ask boldly, believing without a second thought. People who worry their prayers are like wind-whipped waves. Don't think you're going to get anything from the master that way. Adrift at sea, keeping all your options open. So before we get into sort of unpacking this together, I wanted to set us up by sharing a couple definitions of wisdom. If you're following all along on like an outline or online or on the app or whatever, um, our, our couple working definitions of wisdom this morning, the first one is knowledge rightly applied. Knowledge rightly applied. It's not only knowing something about something, it's also knowing how to correctly apply it. We've all had knowledge of something and applied it incorrectly and suffered the consequences for that. And so wisdom is knowledge rightly applied. Another definition for wisdom is the ability to judge a right course of action. Again, it's very common that we have some ideas about what we should do or how we should interact in any given situation, but to know how to appropriately choose the right course of action on how to apply that information. Some of you, you grew up with your mom saying, it's not what you said, it's how you said it right? It's a path. Not, wisdom is knowing the path to take to get there. 
I love how James sets up that verse with this rhetorical statement. If any of you happen to need wisdom or don't know what you're doing, which this is what I meant by it being an all-skate passage. We're going to try something here. If you can admit that you need wisdom in an area of your life, would you just like give me a little hand, hand pump? Yeah. What if, raise your hand if you have no idea what you're doing in one part of your life right now. Yes. Whether you looked around the room or not, every hand was up. And if it wasn't, it should have been. Every single one of us need wisdom. Some of us need wisdom in marriage. I, for one, am one of those people. I've been married to my husband, Jason, for, like I said, almost 19 years. You'd think after that long, and after the number of, like, marriage books, seminars, conferences, sermons, podcasts, it makes it sound like my marriage is really bad. It's not. I just love learning about this stuff. You'd think after all of that, plus being married to this guy for that long, I would be, like, the expert on the topic of marriage and Jason. But turns out, like, I'm not. I'm, I'm like, not even close to the expert. You think I know everything about what he wants and needs, how to love him well, how to communicate well with him, how to avoid that reoccurring hot button issue that continues to come up? I don't. I don't have the ability. I'm like a moth to a flame to that button. I need fresh daily wisdom even more than I need coffee every morning, and that's saying a lot in the area of marriage. Some of us need wisdom in singleness. Can I just say this, though, for the single people in the room? Marriage is not life's ultimate goal. I just need to say that. For some reason, I think sometimes in like Christian culture, we make it like the ultimate goal in your life is to be married. The ultimate goal is not to be married. The ultimate goal is to know the Lord. Okay? So let me just let you off the hook if any of you are feeling that pressure this morning. But maybe you are single and you want to be married someday. You need wisdom. You need wisdom on like whether or not you're ready to date, where you're going to find this person to date, how you're going to date, how you're going to take care of yourself in that process. How do you how to decide if someone is marriage material or if you're even marriage material? And then what foundations, if you are going to get married, you want to be a part of your marriage, wisdom is needed desperately in singleness. How many parents do we have in the room this morning? Just give me a head nod, parents. I see you. All right. I think the same level of wisdom is needed no matter where you're at in the parenting journey. Jason and I, like I said, have two amazing kids, a 19-year-old son, a 16-year-old daughter, quite the combo platter in our house right now. That's why I needed Eddie, you know. You'd think that after growing those two in my body for, you know, 10 months and being their mom every day since, that I would be the expert on them. Turns out I'm not. Like I said, I served here at Westbridge as a youth pastor for a good chunk of years. Seven years is a pretty long time. And I kind of saw myself, if I'm being honest, as somewhat of an expert on relating to teenagers. I love teenagers. I love dealing with teenagers, talking to teenagers, navigating hard things with teenagers. I love it. I would have considered myself an expert until I tried my strategies on my own kids. They punked me. They absolutely, I got punked by my own kids. Not only do I need fresh wisdom for parenting my kids every day, I also need unique wisdom for each of them. It's not you just take this strategy that worked for this one and then apply it to this one and that works too. It doesn't work that way. We need fresh wisdom for each of our kids each day, right? When they were little, I needed help with colic and separation anxiety and temper tantrums. And then as they've gotten older, I need wisdom on helping them discover what makes them uniquely them. And boundaries for the love, the boundaries, right? Driving, dating, handling big and small pressures of life in healthy ways. And I'm also quickly learning with a 19-year-old still at home who's really independent 
in his words, um, that we also need a lot of wisdom when it comes to parenting adults. Whew. I know my parents feel that. Kids also need wisdom. If you're a kid to someone, raise your hand. Well, you all are. You don't have to. Truth is, we're all someone's kid. We're all someone's kid. Whether you're a kindergartner, middle or high schooler, student, young adult, old adult, doesn't matter. If your parents are still here on earth, you need wisdom for your relationship with them. At 39 years old, I've known my parents for over 40 years. You'd think 40 years of knowing them would make me an expert on them. Turns out I'm not. Uh, in fact, I think being an adult child is a, a real trip. I'm just going to say that. My parents are living fully right now into this season of freedom that I've titled, We Do What We Want. And I'm extremely excited for them for this time in their life. They've had an empty nest since 2005 or so, and they're also now maybe considering approaching retirement in the next you know, handful of years. And they bought a fifth wheel last summer, and they're living their best camper life uh, finding all the best campsites and meeting all these people. My mom and dad came home last week, like, we met a dog psychologist who gave us tips on how to train our dogs. I'm like, wow, you guys are just living the life right now. Anyways, you remember that game from, from when you were a kid? Maybe you play it now. It's called Sorry. In Sorry, there's this card called the reverse card, where if you play the reverse card, like, you have to move backwards, okay? So there's this weird thing happening right now with my parents in this season where, remember when you were a teenager? And you had this big idea to go on an adventure, and you kind of forgot to tell anybody where you were going. Like, maybe your phone died, or it got lost or left somewhere else. And your parents are literally freaking out, like calling your friends, your friends' parents, coming over to where you're supposed to be, like showing up in places. They're considering literally, like, how do we get a hold of the FBI? We need to find our kid. Like, they're freaking out, right? Well, my parents just did this thing a couple weeks ago where they played the reverse card in life on me where they, on a Wednesday, can we just talk about this, packed up, packed up their fifth wheel and their dogs and left to the whole state of Wyoming in a zone where there's no cell phone service anywhere. And so by Friday, I'm getting phone calls from my aunts and uncles like, where are your parents? Are they okay? We're trying to get a hold of them. Nobody can get a hold of them. Their phones aren't working. We need you guys to go to the house and do a wellness check. It's like FBI deployment for my parents. By Sunday, I'm getting a phone call from them like, hey, we're just checking in. We got service back. We're having the time of our lives. And I'm like, mom and dad, where have you been? And it's like one of those moments where you're like, okay. <laughs> Turns out they're just living their best. We do what we want life. And I need wisdom as Jan and Dwayne's daughter, how to be the best daughter I can in this season of their life. And I think you get my point here. We all need wisdom in relationship, finances, with health things that come up, with our jobs, friendships, neighbors. We need it for our future plans, for college or trade school or retirement and everything in between. We need wisdom. There's this song from the 90s by this really unpopular group called the Backstreet Boys. And it goes like this. I don't care who you are. Join in if you want. Where you're from. Don't care what you did. Yeah, you still need wisdom. That's the song. So going back to the verse. Check out what James says next here. Would you guys put that verse back up on the James verse for me? He says, if you need wisdom, which we've established, we do. We do need wisdom. Ask God for it. He'll not only generously give it to you, he also won't be annoyed by your asking. Some of you are parents of little kids, 
and your kid has made up this strategy where if I just keep asking and wear them down, I'll eventually get what I want. Thus bonkers, right? God is so different than that. He's not annoyed by our asking. He doesn't rebuke us for asking. He doesn't condescend us for asking. Some of us have been accustomed to being afraid to ask for much help in life because when we have, we've been rebuked or we've been condescended for asking, made to be a burden for asking for help. Just know that in James's experience and in my own personal experience here, that, that's not the case with God. And he continues in verse 6, he says, but when you ask him, make sure that your faith is in God alone. Would you guys go to that next part of the verse? Um, there it is. Okay. When you ask him, make sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver for a person with divided loyalty is unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Think about that statement for a second. When you ask him, make sure that your faith is in God alone. There's a reason why James emphasized this part. James is kind of calling us out a little bit here. We do this thing as humans where we OBO advice. Anybody know what I mean by OBO? Any Facebook marketplacers in here? Yeah, OBO is or best offer. So you'll list something on Marketplace and you'll kind of have an idea of what you want to get for it in mind. And you'll say like $25 OBO, meaning $25 or whatever the highest offer I can get is. And we do this thing, as in humans in 2023, we do this thing where we come up against a problem in life that needs to be solved, something that needs a solution. And we're usually looking for a couple of things. We're either looking for the path of least resistance or we're looking for a path that best lines up with our current understanding or what we believe is best. Say it's a recurring relationship struggle with a friend or family member. Knowingly or not, we begin to gather offers on how to fix it from a variety of sources. Looks like this. We talk about it with other friends. Not the person that the problem is with, but other friends. Family members, coworkers, whoever wants to listen. We post on Facebook or Instagram about it. We vague book about it. We Google it. We all know how that goes. We'll always find out what we're looking for when we're Googling something. We read books on it, blogs, social media posts related to the issue at hand. And we eventually, maybe, hopefully, take it to God. And then begins the process of which offer to take. We take a friend's offer, an offer, something that we got from a blog on the internet, something that we got from some kind of social media post, and then we, say, we, we take what God says and we put them all on a plate in front of us and we start to decide, okay, which one is going to be the best offer? Which one is going to best suit what I believe is right? Which one is going to offer what I believe is the best outcome for myself and their other person? But really what we're sometimes asking, commonly asking, is which offer keeps me right and the other person wrong but still repairs the relationship? But here's the deal. What James is saying in this verse is that God's opinion, God's infinite, unfailing wisdom should not be tossed into the OBO pool. God's opinion is not up for or best offer. It is the best offer. There's nothing wrong with asking for advice. It's wise to do that especially from people that have more experience in life in an area that you do. Something that I'm learning right now is asking for advice from my teenage kids is actually really wise. Not only does it build relationship between the two of us, but I learn a whole bunch of stuff that I didn't know anything about. If you haven't tried that, parents, give it a whirl. Ask your kids for some advice on something. There's nothing also wrong with doing some research to solve a problem either. I mean, with the access that we have to information in our world, why wouldn't we do some research? But to take the advice of any human over the Google is 
crazy to take the advice of any person over the, what the internet has to say, about what your coworker has to say, whoever it is, over the God of the universe is simply not the move. That would be like taking driving advice from a 15-year-old with a brand new permit. No offense, 15-year-olds. I love you. You're awesome. But do you know how to drive? No, you don't. Maybe you do a kind of, right? They also have a very limited understanding of how driving and traffic and merging actually work. Or think about it like this. Taking my advice over God's would be like one of my kids asking my mom, their grandma, for advice on operating an iPhone. Does she know how to do it and do it every day? Yes, she does. Does she also have 129 Safari tabs open? 122 apps, including 98 that are virtually unused? Yeah, she does. Does she use two thumbs to scroll and need to hit forgot password at least twice a day? Yes, she does. My point is that we need to look to the source of real, infinite, time-tested and proven wisdom, first and foremost, yet so often we look elsewhere first. Now, when I think about this, I realize that people pursuing wisdom outside of God is not like a new issue. It's like not 2023's problem. It's actually the oldest human issue that, we've, that, we, that we know of. In fact, it's the same issue that Adam and Eve dealt with in Genesis chapter 3. At the very beginning of the Bible, the very beginning of the story of humanity, according to the scriptures, there's this story of Adam and Eve. And it talks about how God told them that they could eat from any tree in the garden, including a lot of other really sweet trees, but to just avoid one. And the title of that tree was The Knowledge of Both Good and Evil. Think about this for a second. Here are Adam and Eve living in God's complete perf perfect presence with direct access to whatever they could ever want or need, yet still pursuing the knowledge of good and evil outside of God. If that's not a picture of an issue that we all deal with today, I don't know what is. Now, what I'm about to say might offend some of us, and while that's never my goal, I'm okay with it. And the reason why I know it's true is only because it takes one to know one. This is an area that's been a slippery slope for me in my walk with Christ. Christian Americans tend to be the worst offenders in this area of pursuing knowledge apart from God. We absolutely love to pursue knowledge of good and evil for ourselves, we love to take our interpretations of passage of scripture, often out of context, unfortunately, and use it to hold the line for what we believe is right and what isn't. We use it to decide who is worthy of dignity and who isn't. We use it to support our own personal opinions and agendas, ignoring all the rest of the verses around it that talk about not doing that, and instead pursuing God's living, breathing, active, and fresh input in every circumstance. And when he says every circumstance, he really means every circumstance. Pursuing the knowledge of good and evil, apart from God, is the oldest human issue in the book, and it still plagues us today. The main problem with that is what James calls divided loyalty. In that verse that we looked at, would you guys put that verse up again? Divided loyalty is the next part of the verse that I want to highlight for us. Some translations call it double-mindedness, double-mindedness. Some translations call it ambivalence. It all means the same thing. Our loyalty is divided. Double-mindedness, divided loyalty, ambivalence, those are heart issues. 
that we all need to become aware of and learn to reconcile if we want to live a life of less anxiety and more peace and joy. James spends some time illustrating the problem with it in this next verse. He describes it in three different parts. If you're following along on the outline, just notice these things. James says, a person with divided loyalty is like, and then he kind of gives three different metaphors. The first one that he says is that they're tossed around like a wave in the ocean. How many of you have been to the ocean before? Okay, if you haven't, man, try to get there at some point in life. It's incredible. But when you go to swim in the ocean, you don't get to pick which direction you're going. You go into the ocean, and the ocean moves you whatever direction it wants you to go in, whether you like it or not. I one time watched my husband almost drown because he somehow got knocked over. I mean, he's not a small guy, so to knock Jason over says that there's a lot, number one. And I look over, and he's crawling on the, on the ground, almost losing his pants, which made it even funnier. And the, the waves are just pounding on top of him, and he's, like, trying to pull his head back to breathe, and it's a thing. Like, when the ocean wants you to move in a direction, you're going to move, whether you like it or not, Right? And James likens us to, to being, having the loyalty divided to being like a wave in the ocean tossed and blown about. Then he says, another characteristic of someone with divided loyalty is unable to expect to receive anything from God. Now I want us to pay attention to that because this verse has been used to clobber people. This is what I call a clobber verse. It's a, a verse that's been taken out of context and used to like hurt people. Let me just clear this up really fast for you. This isn't that if you don't listen to God, he's, he's going to withhold information from you. That's not what this is saying. This is saying that if you won't let go of what you already believe is true to pick up something that God is telling you is actually true, you're going to miss out on the opportunity to receive wisdom from him. And so many of us are so stuck on what we believe we already know to be true. And in reality, God's truth is way bigger, way supreme over anything we could possibly believe. So we can't expect to receive anything from God, not because he's withholding, but it makes sense. How can I receive anything if I'm not willing to let go of what I'm already holding on to? And the third thing he uses to describe divided loyalty is unstable in everything they do. Think about this for a second. How can you be stable in any, life, any area of your life if your loyalty to who you're following is divided? A few words that describe a great parent, a great spouse, a great employee, or a great friend are stable, consistent, reliable. James says that when our loyalty is divided between God, what God says, and what another person says, what Google says, or our own best ideas say, or in other words, we place God's opinion in the or best offer category, our loyalty is divided between what God is saying, what everybody else is saying. We're setting ourselves up for lives of instability, in every area. There's a proverb that I think really helps to illustrate this, this idea, and I love it because it gives a solution for this issue of divided loyalty that we all wrestle with on a regular basis. It's found in Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. If you've been hanging around the church at all for any period of time, you've heard this verse used over and over and over again. It's a great proverb, but it's one that typically is like, sounds like a good idea. Like, oh yeah, that's a good idea. That makes sense. Yep, that tracks. Okay, moving on. And that's how it was for me for a long time. I, I love... I've always thought this was a cool proverb. I thought it was a great idea. But I never had actually internalized it and thought too much about what it was actually saying or tried it on in my life until the past few months. And I'm telling you, it's been a, an absolute game changer for me. I wonder what would begin to happen for you if you decided to take this proverb and internalize it in your own life. It says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not, lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him, 
and he will make your path straight. What if we stop trying to lean so heavily on understanding that we already have in a situation with our job, with our living arrangement, with our kids, with our parents, with our coach, our boyfriend, our girlfriend, and instead started by asking God a couple of questions about this situation? What if asking God could actually help you avoid preventable pain, damage, and regret in life? Would you be willing to give it a try? There seems to be a problem that every one of us deals with that keeps us from asking God for wisdom, and it's this issue of pride. Humans love to be right. We love to be in the loop. We love to have the info. We love to know first. We pride ourselves on it, especially if we put any effort into learning or researching on a topic. And if you don't believe me that this is a true statement, just join a Facebook community bulletin board page real quick, loaded with case studies on the idea. And the deep, gnarly root of pride is fear. Not only do we love to be right, we even more so fear being wrong. Now, what's the problem with that? Well, here's my theory. I think that somewhere along the line, we got served some information that says, if I'm right, I'm good. If I'm right, I'm also good. And if I'm wrong, I'm also bad. But is that even true? No, it's not. If you're wrong, you're not bad, you're just wrong. And so I think sometimes when it comes to this idea, we're so afraid of being wrong about something that it prevents us from even trying to like pursue or hear another idea. But have you ever been around someone who's always right? Like always right, so right that nobody wants to be around them? I have. There's nothing great about being right all the time. And on the flip side of that, being wrong is actually kind of a cool thing because then we can actually be made truly right. What a gift. What if we started celebrating being wrong? Like, sweet, I was wrong. Now I know. Now I can do it the right way. That's great. Instead of walking around thinking I'm right all the time, man, let's try it. There's this other proverb that I didn't put on the screen, but I wanted to read it. It's just really quick. Proverbs 16, 18 says, first pride, then crash. The bigger the ego, the harder the fall. If you hear nothing else today, maybe that's for you. First pride, if, you're, if we're going to be prideful and fearful about how we live our lives and never able to hear any other opinion, it says first pride, then crash. The bigger the ego, the harder the fall. Some of us know that story because we've lived it. I'll just speak from my own experience. I've lived Proverbs 16, 18. I've gotten to points in my life where I would have called myself self-made. Like, look at this life that I created for myself. Wow, I'm so amazing. I know how the world works. I understand how everything works, and I know what the world owes me. That was called early 20s for me. Some of us hit it later, but we all hit it at some point. Where we do, we have this attitude that we figured it out, and we know the best way to do things. And to no one's surprise, at the peak of what we think we're doing best, all of a sudden, what happens? Proverbs 16, 18, first pride, then crash. The, big, the bigger the ego, the harder the fall. That happened to me in my life. I watched as my selfish, immature decisions derailed my path. Caused damage to my family, damage to my friends, damage to myself, damage to my, like, my career. Like, it, it derailed so many things in my past. 
And I didn't even have any idea. I had friends in my life at that point that were saying like, hey, you should consider not doing that, trying to be kind. I had friends in my life that were saying, hey, have you ever tried on this whole God idea? Maybe you should like try that on. And I'm like, ah, I don't need that. I've clearly got this all figured out myself. Not realizing that by rejecting God in that season of my life, I was missing out on so much goodness, so much peace, so much joy. Luckily for me, in the middle of that season of my life, I walked through the doors at Westbridge Church on a beautiful August Sunday morning in 2008. And I was extended a grace and mercy laced invitation for a fresh start with Jesus as a leadership, in the leadership seat. And I decided to accept it. I look back on that day and I realized that I had no idea what I was actually saying yes to and that I would easily, by far, be the best yes I've ever said. Now, don't get it twisted. I said yes to Jesus that day, but that didn't undo all the damage that I'd caused. It didn't magically repair the natural consequences I was sitting in from living a life of pride. It didn't instantly like, renew all the trust in my life with all the people that I'd hurt. But what it did do is it set me on a new path. A path of incredible renewal and redemption that's included healing for myself and my family and led me to a, a path of abundant joy and peace. Now maybe you noticed already and maybe you didn't, but either way, if we look at that proverb again, there's actually this invitation built into it for each of us today. In those parts, it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. That's an invitation to to stop trusting Google so much and start trusting God more. That's an invitation, friends. He says, lean not on your own understanding. Instead, in all of your ways, acknowledge him and acknowledge God. Cling to him, submit to him, abide in him. That's an invitation to trade in, leaning on all of the information that I can gather for myself and instead relying on the infinite wisdom from the creator of the universe. Then that third part says, and he will make your path straight. That's an invitation, friends, to trade in the path that you've been working so hard to forge for yourself to this incredible path that God would have you on. Now, as we kind of begin to wrap up here, I want us to ask us all a couple of all-skate-type questions. Have you ever made a decision to, to put your faith in Jesus before? I know many of you in this room have, and there's some of you in this room that haven't. And if you haven't and you want to, I want to give you an opportunity to say yes to that today. I also recognize that there's some of you in the room that have been, that know God, but have been running away from God. And maybe today you needed an opportunity to just like re-up, to say like, man, I've been trying to do my own thing. God, I want to come back. I want to come back in alignment with you and what you say. And if that's you and you fall into either of those two camps, you can just agree with me with a simple prayer. It says, Jesus, I believe that you are who you say you are. I'm in need of your help. Forgive me for the times I've stiff-armed you and tried to do life on my own. Forgive me for all of the ways I've fallen short, hurting myself and others in the process. Adopt me as your son, as your daughter. Help me and strengthen me to follow you and your way of doing life to the best of my ability. I'm saying yes to you being the leader of my life. Thank you for loving me relentlessly. In Jesus' name. My second question for everyone in the room Are you regularly and and regularly throughout your day checking in with God for his wisdom on how to navigate whatever path is before you? If not, I want to end our time by giving you some really practical ways that you can do that. 
The first one is daily scripture. Now, one way to pursue God is by being, reading scripture daily. This seems like an obvious one. It's like, well, yeah, you come to church, they're going to tell you to read a Bible, of course. But it's one that a lot of longtime Christians actually have a hard time with. But what I'll say is when I started to realize that I'm not reading just for the sake of reading, but I'm reading to gain wisdom for the life that I'm trying to live, it changed the game for me and why I want to read. It's not because I just need something to do. Nobody needs more things to do. But if I know that I can get infinite wisdom from the God of the universe by reading this, there's some skin in the game for me. And so a couple of like tools that I wanted to share with you guys this morning that maybe some of you know about, maybe some of you don't. The first one is the Bible Project. Absolutely incredible resource, free. They have a website, a YouTube channel, an app, a podcast, all of the possible things that you'd want to do. But a fantastic way to learn like the history of the Bible, how it was created, why it was created, about each book, in the context of each book. There's Bible studies, there's paths, there's tracks, there's all sorts of things that you can do. Super well done resources for any age. You can use it with kids all the way to not kids. Bible Project, fantastic resource. The other one is the Bible app. If you don't have the Bible app on your phone, it's a super easy way because you can set it to just send you a verse every day. It literally will text you a verse every day if you give it permission to do that. What a great thing. You don't even have to crack the book. You can just get it delivered to a place that you know you're going to look anyways. Highly recommend the Bible app. But maybe some of you are like, I'm a purist. I want an actual Bible. I know that we have Bibles here at Westbridge. If you want a Bible, let us know. We'd be happy to get a Bible in your hands. The thing about the Bible is it's a bestseller for a reason. It's the literal best-selling book of all time forever. It's a bestseller for a reason. And also, fun fact, there's 365 Proverbs in the Bible. Do you think that's a coincidence? I don't. The second way we can pursue wisdom is by asking and listening. This is the part that I've really been nerding out on in my own life right now. Another way to pursue God's wisdom is to actually ask him some questions. Now, when I first heard someone say that to me, I was like, all right, crazy Bible lady, it's fine. But really, genuinely, I, tried to start, I, I started to apply this in my life a few years ago, and what happened is that my life was um, way different. I actually started to get wisdom from God, directly from God. I actually started to learn to hear God's voice for myself, which again, sounds crazy to some of you in the room, but I want you to know that it's completely accessible for you too. I want to be really, really clear here. In order to hear God's voice, you don't need to be a priest or a pastor. You don't need to... Wait until you get to church to come and ask God your questions. You don't need to get up at the crack of dawn and have the lights dimmed and get your tea in your journal and then God will speak to you. You don't have to be in a good mood. You don't have to be on your best behavior. There aren't any prerequisites and there's no special level of Christianity that you need to reach in order to be able to do this. In my own experience though, the more I practice, the easier it has become for me to be able to hear. In this season, the questions that I've been asking, that I've been practicing and building a habit of asking are these really two simple questions. God, what do you want me to know about this? And then, God, what do you want me to do? These are the questions that I asked when I was deciding and planning for and writing this message. This wasn't like, hmm, what should I talk about? I said, God, what do you want me to talk to the Westbridge Community Church about on July 23rd, 2023? Some ideas popped in my head, and here we are. I'm not going to take credit for that. Why would I do that? I'm not that smart. This isn't about me and some kind of message that I, the infinite Jenny Becker, have to share with you today. This is about me asking God what he wanted this family to hear and me just being obedient to whatever it is that he told me. These are the questions that I ask when one of my kids is having a situation I don't know how to best navigate parenting them in that. 
These are the questions that I ask when I feel conflict stirring up with my husband. These are the questions that I ask when I wake up feeling sad or I get frustrated or offended. These are the questions I ask when I see someone in need and my heart wants to help. I simply ask, God, what do you want me to know about this situation and what do you want me to do? And then rather than running and comparing it to all of these other ideas that maybe I already had in mind, I take action on whatever I heard. Now, and sometimes that looks like I get a picture of something in my mind, like maybe a picture of something. Maybe I get um, a scripture verse. Maybe I get a lyric from a song. Maybe I get a name. Maybe, I don't know, I get an idea. I get a fresh idea. Just take action on that thing that you heard next. It takes practice, but I promise if you try it, you're going to be blown away by what God tells you to do in the best way. Now, naturally, a couple of questions come up, and I want to answer those questions. How does the voice of God sound? That's a common question that I get a lot. In my personal experience, it's not an audible voice. It's a peaceful, reassuring, internal voice. God's communication to me has the sound and the intonation of the most loving parent I can imagine. The second question I get a lot is, how do you know it's God's voice and not your own? Here are some indicators of God's voice. And I put this on the outline or wherever you want to find it or we can post it or whatever. But some indications that you know it's God's voice. One is that it's a peaceful, reassuring, loving, internal, parental voice. It brings a sense of peace, even if it's something out of your comfort zone. It often initiates new creative ideas and solutions, something that you never thought about trying before. It encourages you and strengthens you. It aligns with scripture and always highlights God's deep love for you and the other person involved or the other people involved. It will resonate with you and motivate you to do something about it. It will result in transformation in both big and small ways. On the other hand, I wanted to give a few notes about how you know it's not God's voice. If it's hopeless or condescending, it's not God's voice. If it stirs up shame, doubt, anxiety, fear, pride, or revenge, That's not God's voice. If it's moving you towards gossip, isolation, dishonesty, or entitlement, not God's voice. If it's critical, divisive, or condemning, it's not God's voice. I brought with me one of my prized possessions to illustrate my point as we wrap this up. A couple of winters ago, I was having one of those mornings where I was in a mood and I'm sure none of you can relate. And by the time everybody left at 7 a.m., I had already like upset all of them, and they all left mad at me. You know, it's like one of those moments I'm just standing in the kitchen like, I suck at life. I don't know what to say. You know, like just feeling bad. I wish I could get a do-over. Everybody's already at school and work, and here I am just feeling like a whole jerk, you know? And I'm getting ready to leave for work, and I reach into my coat pocket to grab my keys, and I find this folded-up piece of paper in my pocket. And for those of you in the front, you can maybe see this, make it out. But on the front, it just says, A-hole. Written in like a kid's handwriting. And so I'm just standing in my kitchen like, that's actually, like, I'm confused. Number one, like, why did a little kid write A-hole on a piece of paper and put it in my pocket? And And then I immediately went to, like, this shame. Like, yeah, this tracks. This is, this is, I deserve this today. You know, like, this fits. But then I decided to unfold the note to see who it was actually from, and what I found blew me away. It makes me cry looking at it. It says, to auntie, (laughs) from Nay, my niece Navy, I love you a whole lot. (laughs) 
with a picture of uh, her and I holding hands. But the way that she folded it just happened to land in my pocket like this. Literally, like this. I pull it out, a-hole. I open it up. To Auntie from Nay, I love you a whole lot. Now, when I look at this note that my, near, my dear niece Navy wrote to me and left in my coat pocket, it's just like the heart of God. It's just like the heart of God for us, you guys. In fact, I believe that this was God speaking to me through my niece that morning. I needed to be reminded in those moments of feeling like a failure and a jerk. Jenny, lean not on your own understanding. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all of your ways, acknowledge me, God says, and acknowledge me, and I will make your path straight. I will mend the thing with your kids. I will mend the thing with your husband. I will take care of the stress at your job. I will handle it, but come to me. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all of your ways, acknowledge me, and I will make your path straight, God says. We've covered a lot of ground here this morning, and as as we wrap up, I want to just quickly go back to where we started. I had some goals this morning for us to equip us with a simple and practical yet highly effective method for gaining wisdom. It's a really short answer, ask God. To help us learn and practice our faith. This listening to God thing and humbling ourselves thing, those require practice. It's not a thing that just happens for us. We have to start practicing. And then to reduce anxiety and increase peace and joy in our lives. If it doesn't all depend on me, I don't have to rely on my own understanding of any situation. I just simply get to ask the God of the universe Talk about anxiety melting away. My hope and prayer this morning is that by showing up at Westbridge Church and looking at these, James, these words of James and Solomon with us this morning, that you were able to see a grace and mercy-laced invitation being extended to you by God himself. And even more so, I, happy, I hope you'll have the courage to accept it. Westbridge Church, thank you for being a people who are people helping people find and follow Jesus. It's been such an honor to spend this morning with you all. I'll be out in the lobby after service. I'd love to meet you if we don't already know each other. And if you heard something this morning that challenged you or you want to know more about or you want to discuss further, I just want you to know, like, I'm accessible. I live in this community. I love this community. If it's something that you want to have more conversation about, I'd love to connect. I'd love to pray for you all as we close out our time this morning. God, thank you for this awesome morning and for each person and family represented here today. God, thank you for making yourself so readily accessible to each of us. Help us to take what you're saying to each of us this morning to heart. Help us to trust your voice above every other voice in our lives. God, show us all the path to experiencing true peace and joy in our lives. And then help us generously and courageously give it away. Thank you, God. We love you and we trust you. In Jesus' name, amen.